Hey, how's it going? What's up? Thank you so much for joining us. This is The Venice Voice. On this episode of The Venice Voice Podcast, we will be joined by Madeline Hakens. Maddie is an Aussie who migrated to the United States and landed here in Venice around seven years ago. We talk about her childhood and what it was like growing up in an artist colony and how she went from being an intern to global brand manager of a major hair care brand and what she's doing today with her own consulting business. But first, I'd just like to remind you once again that this podcast is for you. So if you would like to be interviewed or if you want to talk about anything at all, a product you're working on or events coming up, please shoot me an email at ron at venicevoice.com. And now, without further ado, here's Maddie. Yeah, the, the people that don't think they're interesting usually are the interesting okay. ones. That means you, Maddie. No, I don't think so. So your name is really Madeline. Yeah, Madeline Hakens. Madeline Hakens, not yep. ha- not Hackens. Not Hackens. But no. you go by Maddie. Yep. That's the nickname that your parents. Maddie or Mads or um, yeah, Madeline. Madeline. When I'm when I'm in trouble, it's Madeline from Mum. <laughs> Madeline. <laughs> Madeline. <laughs> where, did, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in the outskirts of Melbourne in a place called Eltham. And I actually grew up in an artist colony called Montsalvat. And Montsalvat is, um, for people that are from Victoria, which is the state where I'm from, is very well known. And anyone that hears me say that I grew up there, everyone's is sort of like, what? What do you mean? Like, how did that happen? So why was this artist colony so famous? Because it was, um, it's sort of, I mean, it was only built in 1938, but it was made to look really, really old, very French provincial sort of style. And it was founded by a guy called Eustace Jorgensen, who was really well known in the Australian arts community and had a lot of very prolific artistic friends that he sort of gathered together to build this property called Monsalvat and um, it was on 12 and a half acres and um, it was mainly just beautiful bluestone mud brick and just gorgeous grounds and really really well kept and um, my mum was a painter and we used to live across the road and mum was working there and she was painting with them and then when my parents separated we then needed somewhere to live at that time because my father wasn't the best person in the world and so we ended up living in Montsevat and I was five at the time. So I essentially grew up there and I lived there for about 20 years. So I grew up with a very, very interesting, strange childhood because um, it was essentially an artist colony. And so there was, there was about 13 people that lived there and there was probably about five other children. So it was sort of a pretty cool place to grow up. Wow, it must have been a kind of a very tight-knit community. Yes, very much so, yeah. We didn't like, because everyone's always like, oh, did you eat together? And like, you know, were you in the same room? Like, were you sleeping in the same room? It wasn't anything like that. We had our own house, but we would certainly like have big dinners every now and again. And we were open to the public as well during the week. So, because um, people would come through and and the grounds were so beautiful and so there'll be certain studios on the property that were open because there was a, a sculpture, um, various painters, jewellery makers, um, different artists that would ho- have their studios open to the public as well and we also held weddings and festivals and all that sort of stuff. So it was very well known as a like a tourist destination. So yeah, it was it was just a beautiful. I was very lucky growing up there. Really, it yeah. sounds yeah. idyllic in yeah. a way. It sounds like heaven. <laughs> yeah. in, in some ways. Yeah, it was really cool. But I mean, it was wild, like completely wild. And so you didn't have a, like a structured school environment. Nothing like that. I I was fortunate enough. My mum was able to you know work really hard and and save up enough money to send my brother and I both to private schools. She did that all herself. So we were shipped off on the bus each morning 30 minutes out of town and went to private schools in Melbourne and then um, would come home in the evening back to you know these beautiful grounds and then whenever we had friends over it was always sort of a funny thing like the parents would drop them off in the car park and the kids would be like oh this is a bit weird but you know because it kind of looked a bit spooky as well but um, but yeah a really really great experience and 
wouldn't wouldn't take it back for anything. And your mother supported herself and the family through her artwork. Yes, and no, she. I mean, she ended up running the place actually. Oh, so I she see. ended up so because it was it was still like a functioning business in terms of you know coming through with weddings and functions and all that sort of stuff. And we held lots of exhibitions, but my mum actually only had one exhibition in her life because she's very. I think she's probably that typical artist that doesn't like to show off anything. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> she's really great though. She's really good. But she had one exhibition, sold everything. And um, so that wasn't really the means of her income to to support us. And you lived there until you were 25? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, was there for, for 20 years. And um, then after that, moved into Melbourne, into sort of close to the city and went to university there. And, and um, what did you study when you went to college? I studied, it was funny because got all through high school. So we have, it's called uh, VCE, which is very different to America. So towards the end of your high school, you kind of have to figure out what you want to study at university, what you want to study at college. So it's not like here where you can go to college and you don't really have to be refined into that one area. Whereas in Australia, you have to, you know, when you're 16, 17, you have to go, oh, I want to be a lawyer or I want to be a graphic designer. And you have to like work towards that particular score to get into that course. So I was going through high school thinking, yeah, I was going to be a graphic designer, had all my folios together. And I was very much, you know, wanting to go down that path. And then I came home from one of my interviews and I'm like, mum, I don't think I want to be a graphic designer. She's like, okay. I'm like, I want to get into international business. She's like, right. So um, that's what I ended up doing. So I literally went through, it's called the VTAC guide, which is a big guide that's got every single course listed out and then what score you need to get next to it. And I went through and went, yep, international business. So um, picked that course out. Luckily, I was able to get into it and studied that. That was a bachelor degree for four years and majored in marketing. So um, it was very different to where I thought I was going to go. But um, I got this sense from you when I met you originally was that you kind of have this soul of an artist yeah, as well as this business acumen that you've cultivated, yes. which is, I find pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of informed your path up until this point. Essentially, I think so. Yeah. So it's, it's been interesting because I've sort of been able to balance the two quite well. And now I'm fortunate to be in a place where I am able to sort of really craft out those two areas into one. And um, yeah, so I did my bachelor degree international business. And one of those years was a co-op year where I had to go in and work in a paid position in an industry of my choice. So I did that and I, I started with a company called Kevin Murphy and that was a really small Australian hair care brand. And there was it was sold in like three countries, had six or seven SKUs, like it was tiny. And so I just went in and, and started helping out with like international business stuff, <laughs> whatever that meant at <laughs> the time. I'm here to do the international business <laughs> yeah. stuff. My name is Maddie. Yeah. Um, had no idea what I was doing. And, but I was sort of, I sort of knew that I wanted to be able to travel and work in different cultures. And yeah. And then I sort of got a bit of an interest in marketing and that's how I kind of started where I am now, I suppose. Yeah. And let me just ask you, um, did you go to a private college as well? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I see the comparison. Oftentimes there's a, you know, there's a political discussion in this country about Mm. um, education and healthcare and those types of things. And oftentimes we are compared to the Australian model or the Canadian model. Right. Um, Is, is education fully paid for unless you want to go to a private school in Australia? Um, No, it, it, it isn't. No, you have to, there's certain, there are certain public schools that you can go to that are going to be a lot easier to get into and, you know, more cost effective. But um, essentially, if you want to get into some of the bigger, more established universities, then you have to pay. It's similar to here, but I just don't think it's as rigid and hard, I suppose. And I don't know, it's kind of, um, I think what the way I compare it, like I look back at a lot of my friends back home and no one really has a university debt, whereas pretty much every person here that I know does. 
And so I think the cost differentiation is quite dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And, and healthcare, is there free healthcare in Australia? Uh, no, there isn't, but we have something called Medicare, which is you pay, you know, a small fee each year and you're covered. So it's not it's not outrageous. We don't have to have a monthly fee like we do here. It's not as scary, <laughs> certainly. It's not as crippling. No. No pun intended. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, so you went through university, studied mm. international business, and then yep. got into this job um, yeah. basically as an intern with Kevin Essentially, Murphy. Yeah. yeah. And then you stayed on with them? Yeah, so I... Was with them for 12 years. Oh, well, I guess you stayed on. <laughs> so I stayed on. So, yeah, I started with them um, and Kevin Murphy was Kevin – well, Kevin himself, he was a session artist and he, at the time – do you know Kylie Minogue? Yes, of course. So I've he, actually met her a few times. Oh, you have? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, she stayed in a hotel that I worked at. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, cute little pocket rocket she is. Um, <laughs> but she – Kevin was her hairdresser. He was traveling with her and um, he had a salon as well in Melbourne and then he started developing his own products. And so it was a really, really small brand when I started um, and just sort of grew from there. So I kind of – there was no marketing department. Um, It was Kevin and myself and there was um, customer service team and then obviously the owners of the company. And um, we just sort of started chipping away and I worked really closely with Kevin. So I think I was really fortunate because I was just thrown into, you know, working with someone so creative and so like outstanding at what he does, like his craft and his ability to sort of predict, predict these trends and forecast anything from like ingredients to fashion trends and, and hair care trends. He was just so ahead of the game. So I was really fortunate to be able to sort of be exposed to that and I think him as well being a hairdresser he's definitely has got a very interesting character and personality and but being a creative I kind of related to it really quite well and I think that was probably why I've ended up staying there for such a long time um so yeah so essentially I started off there and we were at the time the company I think was about a three million dollar business and had about yeah I think it was about seven or eight or nine SKUs maybe, you know, shampoos, conditioners, styling products. And then I worked my way from, you know, marketing assistant, coordinator, and then to marketing manager, had hired a couple of people over there. And then we decided to launch into America and then started doing a couple of little trips over here and meeting some of the distributors and slowly starting to establish the brand over here. And then they said, look, we need we need to have marketing in America. So are you interested? So I came over here, stayed in a hotel in Santa Monica for a week, had never been over the, the west side and then... And just hang on um, one second. That's our lovely joys of joys of Venice noise that we have here. <laughs> so you stayed in a hotel in Santa Monica when you first came over here. Yep. And, then, and uh, then was looking for places to live and was looking really, really mainly in Santa Monica. Hadn't even been to Venice actually. And then there was one place that popped up when I was on my way to the airport back to Australia in Venice and met the guy that was renting out the room and we sort of just connected straight away. And so, yeah, I popped on a plane, came back, went back to Melbourne and then a month later had packed up all my stuff and then landed back here and thought I was only going to be here literally for 12 months because I said, you know, we'll set up the marketing department and then go from there. You only thought you were going to be here for a short time. Yeah, literally 12 months. So then um, moved back over here. So moved here, set up in a place just down on Speedway and 30th and um, it was a you know small apartment and then hired an assistant. And so she was coming into, you know, we're just working from the kitchen bench each day because Kevin's based in Australia. And so he was really only coming over whenever we had big sort of meetings and the global CEO, he's based down in San Diego. So I was sort of, I had a boss down in San Diego, but I was working from my apartment in Venice Beach. And after about 12 months, you know, it grew and grew and then hired another person and then had to get into a bigger house. So we got a bigger house and then hired another person. And then we got into another bigger house because the whole thing was that we didn't think we needed to have a head office over here. It was always going to be an Australian brand. And I always thought I was going to be coming back to Australia. So there wasn't really any intention of me staying here for that long and setting up more of an established office until it sort of just started evolving and happening. 
So it ended up, you know, fast track to four years, five years later, it ended up being, um, I was on a house on Superba and there was eight people coming in each day. So I was living upstairs and the office was downstairs and it was, um, I mean, it was fantastic. It was an amazing pad. It was, it was a great setup, but I was living in the office. And so it was really, it got to a point where my work life balance was non-existent. So we then started talking about something a little bit bigger and more established, which was halfway between the CEO down in San Diego and up here. So we picked out Orange County and set up a big office there, which is where the headquarters is now. So we relocated everyone down to the office and then I moved out of that place and then came over to here where I'm living next door to you. And yeah, so I was commuting to the office down in Orange County two days a week and which was completely doable and and it was great. And I was fortunate to be able to be in that position to not have to be there every day. And then um so you just landed in venice by chance yeah totally i i know so yeah. many aussies that are in venice though yeah. it just seems to be one of these places that they gravitate it's towards. funny yeah because it was like i came here and i literally had spent like two hours here and i got out of the taxi and because i didn't even think uber was around then and then was just wandering around i'm like this is cool and it was really grungy and sort of a bit it's dirty and but there were surfers walking around and then there was crazy artists around and I thought yeah this is me because I also grew up a lot we had a beach house as well so I grew up by the ocean um a lot of the times like particularly over summer holidays but I had this you know artist colony upbringing as well so I when I got to Venice I was like yeah this is the right fit because it was sort of beachy artistic grungy sort of you know but it still had this kind of progressive feel about it at the same time yeah and so that was eight years ago and now it's you know the last as you know it's like like four four or five years ago it all sort of started changing I think yeah rapidly very quickly yeah yeah (laughs) and it's still and it's still changing rapidly yeah Yeah. you know it, it was really because of as a lot of people know, there was an article that was written in GQ magazine about Abbott Kinney and how it was the coolest street in America yes. and it started to change everything yeah. and then Google came in and then Jelena started yep. on Abbott Kinney and that he's a very, very famous chef and yeah. it really changed the whole personality of the neighborhood yeah. and, it, and, it, and it moved very, very quickly yeah. and it's still moving very quickly. It's almost become yeah. passe now. There's a lot of people that don't want to develop here now because it's right. overplayed right. in a lot of ways. It's become almost like... Beverly Hills, like Rodeo Drive or like Montana and Santa Monica. It's just overplayed in some ways. Yeah. Uh, But luckily it still has its charm. We still have our our artist bedrock community here um, that kind of stay away from Abbott Kinney and the boardwalk and they're just kind of in little areas now. Yeah. And you find it. There's still good little pockets here. And it's, I I mean, I'm still here. So, you know, I'm not complaining because I still love the place. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Me too. It, It seems odd and I don't know maybe a little you know metaphysical sounding but like-minded people seem to gravitate towards this place it was interesting I did an interview with a young woman who is a a musician not the one that I played for you but another one and she grew up in an artist community in Greece in Crete Ah. like right by the beach and was a surfer wow and just by chance found herself here in Venice and is now still here amazing it's almost the same story (laughs) that's kind of weird maybe we need to meet (laughs) yeah I think you should (laughs) yeah she's fantastic yeah Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, her name is Isis. She's in a band called okay. uh, Royal Distortion. They're playing every Monday at the uh, Whiskey. You should go check her ah, out. She's cool. one of them. Awesome. She's amazing. Love um, that. Anyway, Kevin Murphy did well. Kevin Murphy did very well. Yeah. So, and it's still booming. Um, yeah. yeah. So it just grew and grew. We were fortunate to, so the owner and his business partner in Australia, they were introduced to um, a fellow who was my boss for many years. He was a global CEO and he uh, had all these connections, been in the hair industry for 40, 50 years in America and he's sort of like the hair industry guru over here. So when we launched over here, we launched with 19 distributors off the get-go. So it was um, it was really fast and we weren't selling online, still not selling online as well, professional-only salons. So I think, you know, if we look back and think what we've built without being a That's direct... astonishing. Yeah, without being a direct brand is quite amazing. So... 
it's gone really well. It's now, if we finished up at the end of last year, 360 million retail. So, so you started off as an intern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You stayed. Yeah. It was a burgeoning company <laughs> yeah. at the time. And now you're global product director. <laughs> so I, I'm now, I finished up with them in December as a full-time employee. Oh, okay. Um, I'm now consulting with them. So now I'm freelancing. So finished up with them. So I moved from assistant, essentially intern, assistant coordinator, marketing manager, director of marketing for four years. And then I was global brand director for three and a half years. And that's when I finished up and I sort of knew that I wanted to refine myself and my my position into more of the creative role because I ended up running the marketing department so with that is managing people and managing budgets and lots of stuff and I started realizing as I'm getting a little bit older I was like no it's not my thing it's not my natural 30 yeah well I'm I'm not yeah I know (laughs) I started when I was a baby (laughs) but then I I realized that I wanted to be focus more on the creative side of the business and love working with Kevin and creating everything. So, um, yeah, so I finished up with them full-time in December last year and um, have gone out on my own now and started a creative agency with my partner, Chris, who's a photographer, as you know. And That's called Factory Digital? The Factory Digital, yes. And so we are essentially what well, I'm consulting with different brands. So Kevin Murphy is still a client of mine and um, I've picked up a few other hair care brands and a couple of beauty brands and Chris and I collaborate on the projects that make sense for us to collaborate on together and um, things are going well. So now I've sort of got this interesting work-life balance that I hadn't had for a really long time and, yeah, it's it's going nicely. That's a a yeah. dream that many people have. Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons why I wanted to speak with you is because you kind of live this life that I think a lot of people aspire to, even though you may not think so. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think you do, absolutely. I mean, you talk about work-life balance. It's something that most people strive to have and not yeah. very many people do. Yeah. You know, I'm fairly fortunate that I kind of have that too. Yeah. You know, I, I work for a software company and I do my creative yeah. uh, uh, pursuits on the side and, yeah. I, and I make some money doing some photography and things like that. And I have been able to have the freedom yeah. to have a life as yeah. well as be able to make a living yeah. doing that and live here. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And I, I think it feels like you just kind of fell into it and didn't I, really know that you wanted it until later on. Yeah. And I don't think, honestly, I don't think I ever would have done this if I was living in Australia still. Cause I think that, and you would know this more than I would, but is California or is Los Angeles one of the only places that has this type of lifestyle where you can, you see, you go down to a cafe at 11 a.m. on a Thursday morning and it's packed and people are just hanging out. Well, it's very much like that in New York City as <laughs> okay, well. And right. in most of the big cities, it's like that. Okay, in San Francisco, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, most people work mobily right. if they can. Yeah. Uh, and every single coffee shop is yeah. filled. Uh, there are 24-hour internet cafes where there yeah. are people all the time yeah. just in there working. And it used to be that way a lot, but everyone was a screenwriter yeah. at the time. Now right. they're developing an app or writing code. Or, right. Or <laughs> they're an influencer or yeah, yeah exactly yeah um so yeah there's a lot of that here in the u.s especially yeah. on the coasts and in yeah. the big cities but yeah. uh it, it's fascinating to me too because we we live in in such an immense place yeah you know in california alone there's almost 40 million people and i looked it up in all of australia there's only 25 million correct so uh <laughs> yeah. it, it's a big place that yeah. we live in los angeles county yeah it's 18 million people yeah. so we live in this huge huge place it's a microcosm of the entire country in a way totally you know yeah and, and in some ways venice is a little microcosm of los angeles it's right kind of a, it's kind of a thought leader a creative right place that sort of influences what the rest of los angeles yeah does and yeah. it always has been that yeah, people tend to migrate here or are drawn to this place so that they can do and create and and have the kind of life that you've kind of described. You know, right. because we want to be able to go out and surf during the day if we want to, right. or like go for a bike ride and right. then come back from lunch and work, which just doesn't happen in Australia. No, it's not common. I mean, it happens, but it's not common. It's like I don't. I don't have not everyone just goes and like surfs all no, day. No, but I also think that 
I know it's to do with the sheer population and the market that is available in Australia versus here because I look at my friends that have started their own businesses and they still have full-time jobs. So they've got their businesses on the side, but no one has been able to build, I'm just speaking of my friends, none of my friends that, you know, have been able to start their business and from the sheer volume and success of the market that's around them, being able to, being able to craft that lifestyle of then, you know, not having to work full time. Yeah. I think that there's an oversaturation around here though, too. Totally. The failure rate of most startups is pretty high. Yeah. You know, so not very many people are able to create a sustainable business. Right. Uh, and a lot of them have multiple things that they do, kind of like yeah. me, you know? Yeah. So I think it's just because of the sheer saturation of people trying to start their own business. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, there are limited markets to, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people, but a lot of times people that are trying to start their own business are targeting a specific audience or a specific yeah. customer base, and that's it. There, there are not many success stories like yours. Right. Even here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I know a lot of people that are doing their own startup. Just in Venice yeah. alone, there are 50 brand new startup companies yeah. that have received funding but haven't shown a profit yet. And yeah. they may or may not succeed. So you, just, crazy. you just don't know. Yeah, it is crazy. So I don't know. I think, yeah, I think maybe I haven't thought about it too much, but I probably have, you know, landed myself in a pretty pretty good position. I think so. But, um, but I also sort of look back and think, Oh, all those years, like I was slaving away so long for, you know, such a long time, but I was fortunate to be able to, I traveled the world and saw a lot of beautiful places. Um, but I don't want that lifestyle again. Like it was just, it was hectic. But so, you, so you plan to stay in the US? I think so. Yeah. So Chris and I think we will be here. We'll be here for a while, I think. Good. Yeah. And you're recently engaged. Recently engaged, Aww. yes. And how did you how did you and Chris meet? I know that you're both from Australia. You're basically yep. both from the same place. Did you know each other when you were kids? No, we didn't. So it was by off chance. I was back in uh, Australia for a photo shoot for Kevin Murphy. And we were in South Australia shooting just outside of Adelaide. And Chris was part of the crew the photo crew and so um we met on probably one of the most beautiful beaches in Australia so it was quite quite amazing um and we worked together for seven days and just sort of formed this amazing connection and it was sort of it was really it sounds really corny but it was like instantaneous like we just like looked at each other and it was we knew it was right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and so and everyone on the crew knew about it so everyone's taking photos and we didn't know any anything about this until you know a few months later and everyone started sending us photos and we're like ah so was that obvious <laughs> um so yeah so we met and he was from he's from Blairgowrie which is a small coastal town sort of on the other side of Melbourne and um, my beach house was in a place called Point Lonsdale, which was on one side of the head. So, and the other side of the heads is where he's from. And we were sort of from these tiny little coastal towns, but so close to each other, but never knew each other. Mm, and so, yeah. So Chris and I had a long distance relationship for only six months. And then he, in that time, Put it, got his visa together, created a business, and um, moved over. So, and he's been here for four years now. What is? I'm sorry yeah. to ask you, and if it's okay to comfortable to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, what is your immigration status now? I mean, I've got a green card now, okay, so I'm good. yeah, permanent resident, just um, not a citizen. Uh, yeah. Do you plan to become an American citizen? Do you want to, um, or can you can you get dual citizenship? I'm not familiar. I th- yeah, I can, but I'm actually I'm not too familiar with the process to be honest. But I, from what my immigration lawyer had described to me, she said, "Look, the only difference is that you can't vote." Essentially, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I probably should vote. No. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have a feeling we're like minded, and we need all the help we can get. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's yeah. great, and so and so now you and Chris live here in Venice. Yes. So, so yeah. So now we're engaged, and um, we are going to get married next year, probably in Hawaii. So we're picking somewhere that's sort of in the middle between Australia and LA. So the family so, can all come. And yeah. It'd be nice. Yeah. Oh, you guys are so great. Yeah. Chris is such a good man. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as a person who is not originally from the U.S., yeah. do you think that we're all crazy? 
No, I don't. <laughs> Do you I think mean, half of us are crazy? I think half of you are crazy for sure. <laughs> um, I think that as a generalization, I think Americans are a lot more friendlier than Australians. Really? Yes. You, If you were walking down the street, say, say the Abbot Kinney of Melbourne, if you're walking down the street – you don't get hellos and you don't get you don't get smiles or you don't get people stopping you and patting your dog. It's funny because Australians have this like persona and this perception that everyone's really friendly and nice, which I'm sure once you get to know them and if you're sitting in a room and you're in a familiar, comfortable position, then yes. But generally it's Australians are a little bit more reserved and and sort of um, I suppose less comfortable in a way and less Would you say that they're confident in isolationists a way? in a um, way just because they're so far removed it's such a giant place there's not that many it is but we travel and you, that's why you meet Australians all over the world because Australians are not scared of traveling because it is so far away and we travel a ton but yeah I think I mean that's kind of the main difference that I've found is that just generally you and it's different in smaller coastal towns. So where like um, where Chris is from or where like my beach house was, definitely you would walk down the street, but you're most likely going to know the person. So you right. say hello. Whereas it's just it's just different. And it's um, I feel like in general, Americans are a little bit more comfortable and sure of themselves in a way. Yeah. Well, it, it depends on where you go. If you go to right. New York City, for example, and you start saying hey to everybody, they're like, hey, that guy's not from here. He's <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah. Hold on to your wallets. Let's yeah. not talk to that guy. Right. <laughs> so Fair it, really, enough. it really depends. I yeah. recently went to a wedding in North Carolina. Yeah. And we went to this very small town yeah. uh, near Asheville, right. which is uh, the liberal bastion of North of North Carolina. Okay. Very lovely town. Yeah. And then we the wedding was near this place called Lake Junaluska, which is a little tiny town in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah. And we would walk around and every person, hey, good morning. Hi, how are you? Love that. And we were like jogging around the lake or You'd like get a riding bike. Every single person. <laughs> yeah. Every hey, how you doing? Good morning. That's What's awesome. And we stayed in this beautiful bed and breakfast with this giant porch with a rope swing and uh rocking chairs. And yeah. we'd be sitting there having breakfast or whatever and people would just walk by, Good morning. Hi, how are <laughs> yeah. you guys? And the guy who was delivering the paper was like, Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? Is there I mean it, every single person. It yeah. was shocking at yeah. first but then very kind of comforting because everybody knows yeah. one another even though you know in, in some ways like politically we're very different people very very different yeah. people and people would drive by with their trucks and they would have guns in the windows and like <laughs> yeah. you know it's like it's dangerous and inviting at the same time totally <laughs> i think when i think when you asked me that question about do I think all Americans are crazy, I think if I had spent more time in certain places, then maybe. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the gun situation is very, very foreign to Australians. That's another thing. We're compared to Australia a lot because of the gun debate that's, right. that's, yeah. that's been happening in yeah. this country for a long, long yeah. time. Yeah. And apparently there was... A mass shooting in Australia in the 90s, I think Once, it was. Once, yep. Once. Once at um, Port Arthur, which is in Tasmania. And Have you ever been to Tasmania? Yeah, Are great. Are the devils it's there? Ta- Tassie, as we <laughs> call it. We call it Tassie. Tassie. It's just south of, because your, your town, uh, Melbourne, so, is like in the south of Australia. Correct, right? yeah. And so Tasmania And is Tasmania like, is further south. So it's actually right. a detached island. Right, right. Um, but it is still part of Australia. And Tasmania is beautiful. It's very cold. Um it is really, really beautiful. It's Tas- cold. It's cold. Yeah. What do you mean it's cold? It's, it's like way down in the south. How it's is it cold. cold. It's cold. It's not like living on the sun like the no, rest of Australia. Not at all. No, and that's the thing. A lot of people don't realize that Australia has four seasons and it gets freezing. Freezing. <laughs> yes. Wow. Like right now in Melbourne, it was. I spoke to a friend yesterday and it was seven degrees Celsius, so like twenty five. That's cold. Yeah, it's cold. Um. So Tasmania is beautiful. Um, there's a there's a place there. It was called Port Arthur, and a fellow don't even need to repeat his name, but he um, went in there and he unfortunately had a a mental health issue and had access to some guns and a lot of people lost their lives. And that was at the time our prime minister at the time was John Howard, who wasn't really the most popular person, and um, he just said that's it and he did a recall on every single gun and people had to hand them in unless you had a gun license for a certain reason and they 
purchased them back. They correct? got them back. I don't know if they purchased them. I thought that. The, I, mean, I thought it was like a gun buyout where they paid everybody for their weapons. You could. You could be right. There could have been. Yeah. Okay. Um. But it worked. And we haven't had a shooting since. Well, you haven't had like a mass shooting no. since. No. Yeah. None. It's, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> debate. And, I, and I've had this conversation with a number of people. And I have friends in Scotland. I went, to, yeah. I went and did the Edinburgh, Film Fest, uh, the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival yeah. one time. Yeah. And I still have friends there. And we correspond now and again. And yeah. one of the things they talk about is this gun debate. Because it just seems astonishing yeah. That no one is willing to do anything, not even a little thing, no. to curb incidents right. like this. Right. Uh, and oftentimes in the, our mainstream media, we are compared to Australia, and that event yeah. is brought up. Right. Um, it is hard to compare, though, from the sheer volume of yeah, people. From, well, so it's, it's like, you know, as you just said, we're, we're essentially the size, our population is the size of LA, you know, in the entire country. Right. So, of course, whatever programs or whatever sort of policy we want to put in place it's going to be a bit it's, easier scotland scotland is only four million people. okay well so. all right well there you go <laughs> and ireland too yeah so yeah it's far less people and yeah and there are so many more guns here I yeah mean, there are more guns than there are people and yeah. we have 350 million or so people here mm. so it is a very interesting debate but it, it still astonishes me and we don't have to like get into a gun debate thing but i will say that it's illogical to me that we are unwilling as a nation to come together and do the simplest things like background checks or make it so um, mentally ill people can't get a weapon or people under age can't yeah. get a weapon. I mean, in certain states, you only have to be 15 yeah. to go and buy any kind of weapon that you want, yeah. you know, and with with no license. I mean, you have to register it, but then that's it. You right. register it and that's it. And then you're a gun owner and you can't. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, we have more regulations around driver's licenses right. than we do weapons. True. And so it just, it's, it's, it's just astonishing. And nobody has ever said, let's take away all the guns. Yeah. They just said, let's not have weapons of war. Let's not give them to mentally ill people. Let's not give them to people who have multiple felonies. I right. Mean, those types yeah. of things. Those seem like common sense things yeah, to me. Absolutely. Have you seen the, um, the documentary by Sasha Baron Cohen? the recent one called Who is America? No, I haven't. you got to look at that. Oh, okay. Uh, I think he just released it, but I think pretty sure it's on Showtime, but there's only two episodes at the moment, but it's quite incredible. <laughs> like the character he's putting on these characters, I won't, I won't spoil it at all, but like his characters that he's putting on and the people that he actually interviews are real deal and yeah. it's quite astonishing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I've seen quite a few documentaries of... Uh, people that go down and and speak to the folks that live in middle america and and yeah. how they form their ideas yeah um and yeah. It's, it just seems so far from reality right yep I, I just don't i just don't understand it it's yeah i don't understand either <laughs> i don't <laughs> and, you know, i'm los just from australia yeah me too and, but even los angeles <laughs> and venice is a microcosm of the rest of the country yeah, like i said and, totally. and there are there are packs uh, or factions and little yeah. areas within california and within los angeles yeah. that are extremely conservative totally like we want our guns we want yeah. uh, and they're 100 percent behind our current president yeah and don't really, and for me, have like viable arguments for why that is. Yeah. But it, it's just, it's just astonishing. People, you can't, you can't argue with people's beliefs. No, exactly. So if they yeah. believe something in their soul, there's no way to no. argue with it. No. It's, it's like, like it's, it's, it's like trying to argue with someone about how they feel about something. Yeah. Well, no, well why do you yeah. love that? Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. That's all. Why do you love God? Well. Yeah. It's, it's an experiential right. thing. It's just for me. So exactly. there's no reason to talk about it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And, and which makes it fairly frustrating because we're talking about, in a lot of cases, people's lives. Right. And, and, the, and the overall well-being of our citizens yeah. in this country. Yeah. Yeah. And fascinating stuff. So as, as far as now that you're a Venice resident. Yes. Do you, you think you <laughs> want to stay here? Or, um, I think. you think you've found like your, your, your community here? Yeah, I think so. I think um, we we sort of go through ups and downs. Every now and again, we're like, eh, you know, let's we need some land, we need some space, and we want to have some grass to roll around on and get a big dog. So, because that's what we were brought up with in Australia. Sure. So every now and then we go through those phases, and but then 
you know, we'll get up in the morning and walk down to the beach and go for a swim and then come back and do a bit of work and then we can stroll down to the other side of town and go to one of the best restaurants in LA and then our friends cycle over in the afternoon and then we roll down to Hanano, have a beer and then it's like our lifestyle's pretty bloody amazing. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so we go through phases and Venice really has that community um, everything's, you know, walking distance and there's so many people around and it's got a great sort of vibe that um, and energy that we love. So I think we'll be here, yeah, for sure. I believe that we'll probably – we'll probably end up back in Australia at some stage but in a perfect situation we would try and have something here and then have something back in Australia so we could skip winter altogether and stay six months here and six months over there. Right. That's one of the things that I'd like to have too is some more outdoor space for myself. Yeah. Maybe like have a little garden or some grass to roll around in or yeah. something, which is something that's been fascinating me as well as the architecture and how it's changed in <laughs> Venice. It seems as though, I was talking to Casey about this, about how people seem to value indoor space more yeah. than outdoor space. Like yeah. they build these big boxes and use absolutely every single square inch of their land. Right. And have everything inside, yeah. Rather than have a yard or yeah. or, or a place to uh, commune with nature or yeah. whatever that is, I I, I miss that because uh, yeah. the house that I grew up in, we had front yard and a backyard yeah. and grass and trees yeah. and at a fort and right, you know. And uh, I'd probably like to have that too, yeah. Someday. Do you think you'll stay here? I uh, I'm gonna stay here as long as as long you know I I just kind of ended up here as well. It wasn't yeah. like I wanted to come to Venice when I yeah. first came to Venice. You know I'm been around a long time, like yeah. over over twenty years. So when I yeah. first came to Venice, it was the cheapest place in L.A. to live. Yeah. So that's why we came here, and yeah. I just I, I didn't want to live here. We were looking in Hollywood. You know right. I wanted to be in the entertainment business, so we were looking in Hollywood to get a place that was close to where we were gonna work. Right. But it was cheap here. And I also was, uh, I came from the Haight-Ashbury district in mm-hmm. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That's because I went to college in San Francisco and yeah. that's where we lived. Yeah, cool. And when we came to Venice, I was like, oh, this is kind of like the Haight on yeah, the beach. totally. And so yeah. uh, I felt really comfortable here. I was like, this yeah. is perfect yeah. for me. Yeah. And, and I've just never left. And I kind of fell in love with the neighborhood. And if I could now afford to buy some property here, yeah, yeah. I would probably stay in Venice. Right. If I was going to stay in Southern California, this is where I would be right. for sure. Because I I think, you know, if you look back at the history, it's undergone many transitions. Right. It was an amusement park for when yeah. it was first brand new. And then it was, it had this huge heyday yeah. and then it kind of went away yeah. and then it came back. It had a resurgence during the sixties when a yeah. lot of people during the summer of love and there was a lot of people that came in here yeah. and then it kind of went away again, yeah. you know, and then, you know, the amusement park died. There was also an amusement park in Santa Monica and they had yeah. this ride that went across yeah. and there used to be all this trash out there and they cleaned it up. Right. You know, and then during the democratic national convention in the early nineties, they, built it up again right and then it kind of died again okay and then it came back so we'll see where it goes it just seems to be this place that's in constant transition which i kind of like you know i've stayed in one place a long time but the community around me has changed a lot right and there's like a new influx of young creative yeah which would be cool to see like and to see the change i like it yeah so the answer is probably yes if i'm staying in los angeles then i'll be here yeah Uh, i have a lot of family in central california near monterey Right. My mom yeah. and my sister and nieces and nephews. Yeah. Are. Um, so if I was going to retire. Right. That's probably where and I would end up And that's a beautiful going. area. I love it. So nice. It's fantastic. Yeah. You know, Pacific Grove and Carmel and yeah. Big Sur and all that. Yeah. Beautiful. That's, I love it. And that's like, that's a good place to settle down. And For just, sure. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's the joke around there. Either you right. have kids or you die. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing in between <laughs> yeah. there. There's not like a whole bunch of like affordably mobile young people trying it's to start like, businesses. Yeah. God's waiting room essentially. <laughs> In some areas. <laughs> Pacific Grove, God's waiting room. No. They should put that on the sign in front of the town. No. no. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. you, you're now back to cultivating your artistic sensibilities with your work. Yeah, and, I suppose. And you, and you yeah. get to collaborate with your with your fiancé, your I know, life which partner. Is, which is great. Yeah, it's really cool. And we work really well together. Um, and we... I mean, I've seen a lot of your work. You definitely are extremely talented and you have a Thank great you. eye. Thanks. Uh, I love the, the, your style and your styling capabilities. Yeah, I mean, thanks. a lot of the stuff on the website. And of course, if you're listening out there, the Factory Digital, check them out. If you have any products that need to be marketed or photographed, 
come to yeah. these guys. Yeah, Maddie knows what she's doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, it's been um, it's been fun, and I've kind of I've worked with a few different brands this year, um, some that have been well and established and been around for a while, and they've just wanted a refresh. So you know sort of gotten to do a few different things and now I'm working with a few startup brands and creating everything from scratch so and I love that and I think that's kind of where I want to sort of try and focus on I'm just going to see how the rest of the year pans out but um the smaller startups are sort of where I'm wanting to go because I I've got so many ideas as well so I'm kind of itching to do my own thing at some stage as well in terms of of a brand so yeah. What kind of product would be interested in doing? Hair care. Really? And a few other things, which I can't give away and a yet. a few other things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's all in my head at the moment, <laughs> but no one's doing it. So I've done a lot of research and yeah, so um, I'm kind of just excited to see what happens and what comes along and yeah. I love the DIY aspect of, of what you've accomplished. I mean, when you first started working with Kevin Murphy, you were working out of a kitchen table on a little yeah. place on Speedway. Yeah. And, you know, the studio that you guys work at now is humble. Yeah, exactly. To say the least. <laughs> totally. You know, it's in the garage. <laughs> it's in the garage. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is great. I, you yeah. know, some of the biggest and best companies in the world have started in garages. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but what you have been able to do, and it's a testament to both of your talents, yeah. is uh, when you see the work, you would think that it was in a big yeah. fat studio. Yeah, exactly. And that's what is the coolest part that we love because people are like, oh, wow, you know, that's amazing. Like, how did you achieve that? But um, I think it's just when you've got the right eye and you've got the dedication and um, yeah, and, and, and it's nice cause Chris is sort of, we've got similar eyes, but he sees different things and I see different things. And so I think when we come together, we create some pretty special things. Yeah, I yeah. think so. It's, it's, yeah. it's really cool to watch. I really admire what you guys have created and you always seem so happy. Do you yeah. get in fights? <laughs> I'm sorry. Be, no, no, no. It's honestly, because this it, sounds... it's funny because I've lived here for a long time and yeah. there used to be a couple that lived in your place. Yeah. And he uh, was uh, kind of a tattooed biker guy. Right. And she was like drunk all the time. And so <laughs> yeah. they would have fights and then, you know, you'd see them and they'd be like so happy and everything was beautiful and no. they would be hugging and kissing. Yeah. And then at night, all of a sudden it was like World War Three <laughs> over there. So you guys always seem pretty uh, calm, cool and Honestly, collected. I think we've probably had to serious fights in which is interesting considering you guys like live work and I know. are in a relationship yeah. together yeah. but we still like and we don't work like all of our work is not done together so chris has got his own thing and he's a great photographer and he's building his own profile i'm still consulting with other brands that have nothing to do with chris but then we come together on certain projects so we it's not like we're always you know um on the same thing but we just like honestly we just get each other and we just adore each other and we just don't we just don't really fight I think we just get I think if there was any sort of confrontation we talk it out straight away and get over it sort of thing so I think we're we're one of those couples that I think other people think oh yeah right I'd bet they have got their issues but we just don't I know that sounds really silly but we just we're lucky <laughs> so you can see the grin on my face <laughs> You are very lucky, yeah. Maddie. You are very lucky. It's the the people that I've interviewed so far, or the people that are in my circle, and I think it's partially because I've opened up and I've I've been on a little bit of a spiritual path, maybe over the past nine years or so. Okay, okay? yeah. And I sort of changed the way I look at the world and right. how I treat myself and the people around me. And more and more, I find uh, being exposed to people like yourself that just mm. seem to move through life with much more ease. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I know that you've worked hard for what you've got, yeah. but I don't, it doesn't seem to me like you saw things as an obstacle. Like, right. you know, this is just the next thing I'm, I have to do and we'll get it done and then yeah. you move to the next thing. Yeah, and I think I definitely got that from my mom. My mom's always, she ingrained very serious hard, hard work ethic, but also to just not think of everything as though, well, that's it. And that's the only thing that you're going to ever do. So even just moving to another country, like I was young, didn't know anyone here, had no friends. And I was so scared. But then at the same time, I had this split in my head where I just said, you know what, if it doesn't work out, I get on the plane, I come mm -hmm. home and that's it. And it's not the end of the world. It's not, you know, so when you, and I don't, I think I don't overthink things too much. 
Chris would probably say the opposite because sometimes I do and I do go crazy. But um, I think from a project or creative standpoint, but I think from an everyday perspective with my friendships and relationships, I just don't really overthink things and I just let things pan out and roll out. And I think that has probably helped me live pretty easy cruisy life yes because you were able to make the decision to just go ahead and say okay you know what i'm gonna move away from kevin murphy i'm just gonna right. be a consultant now that did take two and a half years i'll <laughs> okay. tell you that yeah because really? that was it was, and that was hard because it felt like my baby and it was sure. and it's on the up and so it was like that was a big decision as well because you know i'm leaving a brand when it's like it's one of the it's the biggest brand in australia now hair care it's the hottest brand on everyone's lips in America. So it's like, and Europe. So that was hard as well because I was sort of getting out at a really popular time for the brand, but it was the decision for myself. It was the right thing for me. So that took a while. Um, did you know like but, two years in advance before you did it? Did you just yeah. kind of sense that it was the yeah. time for it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, and I planted the seed pretty early with Kevin and then he and I sort of concocted the rollout plan and how it was going to happen. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a quick decision. It was a very long withstanding one. Yeah. yeah but uh, it sounds to me like you kind of knew what you were going to do. It yeah. just took that long. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden you just like, okay, we're going to start another company. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's it. Done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I remember yeah. when you guys told me, you're like, oh, by the way, we're starting another company and blah, blah, blah. I was like, really? You're starting another company? You're just going to start a company? Just start a company. Yeah. Just another of those annoying people in Venice. I'm just going to start another company. <laughs> well, um, I don't think that it's annoying. No. Uh, I, I think it's quite admirable. Thank and you. it's it's cool because I have a feeling that you went in knowing what you wanted it to do and you could kind of yeah. see how it was going to work. Yeah. You know, oftentimes yeah. for me when I try something I don't really try to move into that direction until I know what the end result is going yeah. to be or at least I have an yeah. idea of what the plan is yeah, yeah. Um, it rarely works out for me but <laughs> just kidding uh, it, it has yeah it's just taken a long time yeah um, but I had a feeling that when you I remember the conviction that you had in your eyes when you mm-hmm. said yeah we're starting another company and this is what's going to happen I remember walking up the stairs and thinking that's going to work yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's going to work. Yeah. Because I could, I just knew from what I had seen of your yeah. work and, and what you had done in the past that it was probably going to be yeah. a good thing. Yeah. And so it is panning out, huh? It is, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's just um, the only, like if I'd say there's been a struggle, the only thing is getting used to having the work-life balance. And that has been my only struggle. And I still go through phases where every now and again, I'm like, oh, I've only got probably about three hours worth of work today, you know, and I can head off to the beach for a couple of hours if I want to. That's the only thing that I, which most people. It's really sad for you. I know, really sad for me. <laughs> awful. But like, honestly, like I don't, I, you know, I'm learning to just not dwell on that and embrace that because I know I'm fortunate right now. But um, yes, that's the only thing that I'm struggling with because I'm used to being busy 24-7, having three to 400 emails to answer a day, managing a team, reporting to people and conference calls left, right and centre. So I've gone from that to now I manage my own time and it's just getting used to it. That's all. But it's- Do you find yourself healthier? Um, yeah definitely yeah just mentally and physically oh yeah mentally and I think just now I'm like I'm actually I feel like I'm growing now like I was sort of getting to a point where I felt like I was sort of stagnant and stale in a way because I was just on the one thing for such a long time and so and I wasn't really getting to create I was sort of just working in a reactionary way whereas now I get to use my brain a lot more and I feel like I'm taking things in in a better capacity when I find myself in that mode of constant work there's been a couple of projects for the software company and some creative projects where I couldn't shut my mind off yeah and I could sense how unhealthy that is for me yeah you know and uh like I said I've started this kind of different way of looking at my life and making sure that I take the time Mm. to go to the beach yeah. or, or meditate or yeah. sit quietly or yeah. connect to nature. Yeah. Or, you know, that's why I go like mountain biking every right. weekend. And like Sundays, I don't touch my phone. Yeah. I don't, I'm not on the computer. So do you do something every day? Yeah, Is I it? Do. Yeah. yeah. So it's something that you'd make time for yourself and yeah, I yeah. do a little meditation practice every day. You do. Uh, yeah. yeah. Between 10 and 20 minutes yeah. of just, where do you meditate? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. Um, 
Well, we have we have a mutual favorite spot. Oh yeah, great, yes. Upstairs. Sure. <laughs> so that's one. Amazing. And yeah. then also if you walk down to the canals, there's these little docks where there's like a step and yeah. it's like um, it looks like uh, it used to be where people would pull their boats up. Yeah. And there's a number of them that are just in front of people's houses uh, that right. are kind of open. Yeah. And you can just sit on that little dock. Yeah. And just listen to the ducks go by. And it's so much quieter down there. Perfect. So there's a couple little spots where I'll just walk to the canals. Yeah. And I'll just go down and sit for 20 minutes. Yeah. And do a meditation yeah. practice. And do you do it early morning? Does it have to be early morning for you? Um, or? It doesn't have to be. I just yeah. make sure that I take the time for it. Yeah. Sometimes it's in the morning. Sometimes it's around lunchtime. And yeah. then if I don't get it in, I'll do it at the end of the day. Right. Um, and sometimes it's multiple times. So mm. if I don't get the full, I try to get cumulatively mm. that 20 minutes. Right. And if it's five minutes and I have, and then something comes comes up and I have yeah. to uh, deal with something then I yeah. then I go back yeah sometimes I'll start in the canals in the morning and then I'll end up upstairs yeah so I just try to make sure that I take that 20 minutes every day yeah uh, and th- I'm not perfect at it sometimes I'll uh, I won't do it and yeah. I can see the difference in myself when I don't do it my my brain is much louder mm. when I don't do it and right. for some reason I've also noticed that I'm not as creative or calm or competent when I have so much going on in my head totally. because it's, it's pushed that energy is sort of pushing out or not leaving enough room yeah. for other things to come in yeah. kind of like organically. I'm always pushing energy out and yeah. so nothing can come in. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's been very helpful for me. Yeah, you know? I bet. And I, yeah. I, um, I was influenced by, you know, some friends of mine that were integrating meditation practices. And then I started listening to guys like Sam Harris and other people, a guy that wrote the book, um, waking up mm-hmm. and some spirituality without religion, but he's a big time <clears throat> meditator. And over his life, he says he's, he says he's spent three full years in silence wow. over the accumulative time of yeah, his life. In like that's the, cool. He's like 40 something. Yeah. Um, but he's spent like three months, like Oof. not doing anything but meditating for 18 hours a day. Wow. And so he goes, he's like, you can go deep and yeah. you can find ways and, and practice like the practice, that muscle of being able to quiet my mind quicker yeah. because you get better at it. You get better at it. That's what you hear. Yeah. 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 It's like a yeah. muscle, you know, right. and, and you train, you can train your mind yeah. to, to quiet down. Yeah. And, um, it used to be really loud. Yeah. So the short answer, the long answer to your question is yes. Yeah. I try to do it good. every day. No, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's excellent. And I can yeah. tell that maybe I could tell when you were describing this work life balance that mm. it's been beneficial for you. Mm. To not have to be constantly inundated with Mm -hmm. information Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's just easier. It feels like I have weight off of me. I can see it in your face. Yeah, because and you feel like all of a sudden you feel like you can actually just you expand your mind more because you're able to take on more because before that you think you're taking on so much because you're doing so much and but it's really just in that's why I said working in a reactionary way like you're not proactive you're just reacting to things to get things done it's like constantly putting fires out yeah and that's what it was and so um yeah I think if everyone can get to that point in their life so much better (laughs) yeah and that's another reason why we're so fortunate to live in a place like this yeah where you know yoga meditation practice healthy eating healthy lifestyle is so prevalent right i mean everyone around us is has some sort of self-care yeah program that they're working yeah you know absolutely and so yeah it's just part of the dna around you got you got to laugh a little bit but at the same time it's oh i laugh a lot it's It's very funny yeah it's very funny just take a walk over to arowan and listen to some of (laughs) the conversations that are going on just jump on overheard in la (laughs) or overheard oh so good <laughs> well uh, just a quick example of that i was walking there yesterday and he's like yeah i just got a juice from marijuana and i told that guy i'm not going to give him a million five but i'll show him how to maybe get some money raised but excuse me for oh. a second you know it was just like the quintessential oh, new venice conversation yes, so true so true <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so listen yeah. maddie we're yeah. that was an hour oh really yeah wow, cool yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's usually about when I run out of things to say. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this. Uh, Thank I've you. Said, I've said this before. Um, yeah. I don't often get to have a conversation like this with people. Yeah. Where we're uh, un- not distracted yeah. by something else. Maybe we'll have a five-minute convo down as we're right. passing each other. Yeah. Well, you and I have never sat and talked for an never. hour. Yeah. And uh, so... 
I, I it's just, great. I, I like you even more now Thanks, that we've had this, <laughs> that we've had this time, and I just want to yeah. say thank you so much for doing this. Of I course. really appreciate well, it. Thanks for inviting me to do it. It's, my <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll I'll see you in the hood. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just want to say thank you once again to Madeline Hakins for taking the time to speak with us today. I really enjoyed having her here, and I hope you enjoyed listening. If you need help building your brand, check out her company at thefactorydigital.com. Maddie really knows what she's doing. And if you'd like to follow us on your socials, we are on Instagram and Twitter at The Venice Voice Podcast. And again, I just want to let you know that this podcast is for you. So if you want to be interviewed, if you want to talk about an upcoming event or a product or if you'd like to tell me how bad I am at this which clearly I am shoot me an email at ron at venicevoice.com next week we will have another interesting guest from the hood here in Venice Beach thanks again for listening we'll see you next time